Hello, listeners. So, this is a very special episode, and you'll find out why in just a bit. But I decided at the end of that episode that this episode needed to be split into two. And so that's what I did. This is going to be part one of Martial Law Mama. Yeah. This is part one. And before we move on to the episode, I'd like to remind everyone to check the description of this episode. You're going to hear me say that again later. But now we're going to be having a link to a Dyson promo. Buy one, take one by SM. The link will be put in the description as well. So here is part one of Martial Law Mama. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Tawalets with me, Aaron. So today's episode is going to be very special. But before we get into that, I'd like to remind everyone to please check the description of this episode from whatever podcast platform you're listening on, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Deezer. Check out the description of this episode to see the affiliate links and, of course, the Instagram that you can follow. Follow us at Tawalets on Instagram. It's the only social media we have. That's my fault. But you can message me there if you have any suggestions on guests or topics that you'd like me to talk about on this podcast. So this is actually an Anima Studios podcast in partnership with Podcast Network Asia. And I'm inviting everyone to check out the other podcasts under Anima Studios and Podcast Network Asia as well. Check out my Linktree also, linktree.com slash King to see the other things that I'm doing uh, in life. All right. So elections is near. It's so near. It's less than a month. <sighs> So much campaigning has been going on and so much misinformation has been going on. And this is a very special episode because, well, first of all, I've never really told anybody uh, about this. But my grandfather, Adrian Cristobal, Adrian Cristobal, was actually in a very high position during the Marcos regime. He was at first a ghostwriter for Marcos's speeches, and then he became eventually the official spokesperson. So why don't I mention this? Well, I just don't. I just don't feel like it's important to say this, uh, especially when I'm talking about my political beliefs. But today we are joined by my mother, Selena Cristobal, who was actively in the opposition during the term of my grandfather. What do I mean by that? She was actively rallying as a teenager. She was. Um, meeting a lot of people and actually I'll just let her talk about it so ladies and gentlemen this is my mother Selena Cristobal hey ma I'm sorry the, the connection was so unstable it, it stopped <laughs> it's okay hi ma I so I don't know if you heard no I didn't oh, you didn't hear you didn't hear your intro it was a very nice intro I, but basically I said yeah, that Pop is was one of the highest positions during the Marcos regime. And you were actively on the other side, on the opposition, rallying as a teenager. Right. And I kind of wanted to ask you about that, especially now. It's very important that people know what really went on during that time. Yeah. So as the daughter of a high-ranking official, what was that like being on the seeing the other side of things? Um I wasn't conflicted at all, though I did question because I 
talk to I talk to my father, your grandfather, all the time. Because I I started my my sort of activism, my my baby activism started when I was in uh, grade seven, the last month of my my seventh grade. Um, I was part of. That's crazy. I know. I I joined this uh, theater group outside our school. And uh, it was a political theater group, but uh, well, to go f- fast forward, we weren't able to do anything because martial was declared. But before that, so I was just asked to play the guitar during the protest of um, GP drivers, bus drivers in front of our school, St. Teresa's at Manila, eh, San Marcelino. Mm-hmm. And even like, Mama, what year was this 19, when you were grade seven? Uh, Seventy-two. So it was okay. months before the declaration of martial law. I graduated okay. grade seven, 72. So I was asked and yes, and I knew the plight and they were asking for a wage hike and they were asking for the same problems now with gas increases and all of that and uh, the injustice of uh, the owners of, of, uh, the, of jeep- jeepneys and buses, what they call the... Um, boundary so they were asking for that yes. so i i was um i was practicing in the house what do you mean with my guitar i was practicing oh, with your guitar. i was just okay. given one song they taught me one song i just memorized it and the chords and i was practicing the house every activist knows this bangon bangon and then my father had a guest and midway practice he told me to stop so i said oh bummer maybe i was too noisy and all that no so i sang that song in front of my school i was alone i'm not sure if there was anybody but but i really felt it because i you know it's like right the wrong or help right the wrong or at least shout help shouting the wrong then i found out years later it was the 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 french uh protest song the internationally known all over the world and but i was 12 so i didn't know i just knew it was in tagalog then i found oh no wonder my father got angry <laughs> but then um i still joined the political um meet um organizations in school we were not allowed then marshall was declared in fact you know i told your your grandfather months before that Dad, I, I got word that martial law will be declared. And he laughed at me. Because oh. it was not in his uh, consciousness. It was not, although he, he didn't hold the high position then. He was just there in the rank and file. And he laughed at me. But I had connections in the underground. At that age, they were whispering to me, you know, martial law will be declared. So I told my dad, but he laughed. And then Marshall was declared. How do you? Sorry, that it's just so strange to me that at twelve years old you form connections with the other side. How did that happen for you? I think um, during I, I'm, during summer I met a lot of people, and my school was a militant school. It became a militant. I mean, they were very uh, progressive, so they would they would um, bring the third, the junior, and the senior classes we would walk across Adamson to go to De La Salle University. Imagine I was so young. Yeah, Form discussion well. groups with other schools. 
no? And we would talk about what's happening in society, which they don't do anymore, no? But uh, no. this was already during martial law. They would still do that. And then I had older friends. And in fact, during one of those sorties in uh, De La Salle, I saw an old friend who was super burgay, super bourgeoisie, but she was already dressed <laughs> down. And I said, oh, I said, Selena, you don't know what happened to me. I've changed. And he was much older. He was already probably 19, you know. And he was so committed. Much older. Yeah. Much older that time. He was so committed. And I visited him. I was one of the few who visited him, him in uh, Fort Bonifacio because he was incarcerated as a yeah, activist. So that's how I wow. got to know them. And also my circle of sort of uh, friends were also my father's friends. They were writers. Some were anti, some were quiet. But that, that's how I formed these links. Wow, at 12 years old. At did um, Pop or did your parents know about any of these meet um, meetings i feel like if they did yeah, they fa- probably would have my father did i told you oh. this is what he did we went there and uh why he didn't say maybe he thought oh, you're too young to understand maybe we can but later on i told him um I-, I see where you're coming from but you shouldn't get angry. In, in fact, some pe- parents shouldn't get angry because they went through what I'm going through, I said at that time. When you were young, you were very idealistic. And I'm going through that now. I don't think I'll lose it like other older people. So you understand. And I didn't know. He wrote about it in his column, telling other parents what I said that parents, you should allow your children to explore if they're idealistic because they learned it from you. You should allow them to with good idealism, especially if it's like you know, justice for all and all that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's so, how, how are you able to compartmentalize knowing that the government was doing all of these things and Pop was you know, in the thick of it, and you're hearing, you're hearing that all of these are happening to your friends, people are getting jailed, people are getting picked up. How did you feel about that? Um, I always felt very bad, of course, especially if I, if I knew them. And if I remember, I even told my father a few of them. One, one in particular was a friend. I was in college already. Was Ben Cervantes? Yeah. Oh, Ben! A lot of people know his name because they were in the streets, and then he was arrested. I didn't know till his sister called me, and so she said, "Ben, say no, you know, please, can you help?" You know that. So I went to my dad, and my dad knows Ben, and he likes Ben. And he said, "Dad, kinalong si Ben, bakit kanon? What kino? It's." It's, it's uh, yeah, martial law, mag-protest, no, bawal. Bawal na, hindi bawal na bawal. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they yeah. They pretend there's democracy, but uh, but then they'll they'll hype it up like, no, they're being violent and all that violent. So my dad and his friend, Carmen Guerrero, they'll talk to Melda, and they made a story na, why did you lock me up? He's not a threat. He's just gay. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, Dad. 
you know, because this is what Mrs. Marcos will understand. Because he's gay. He's not a threat. He's not violent. Right. Oh, yeah. He was released a few days later. And then Ben called me and said, Selena, thank you. But I was already forming a theater group there. I was so sorry. So sorry. I had to abort I'm that. sorry I took you out of <laughs> yeah, jail. I'm sorry. sorry. And then, then we talked more about it. How, what went on and what went inside. What did he see? And a lot of this, I think my father only heard but did not believe. I found out oh. later on, he did not believe that Marcus was behind it. He believed that the military was behind it. And like all leaders in countries, they are beholden to the, uh, to the military. If the military is not behind them, they're dead. Uh, this is my speculation because even okay. the military was against my father. It was okay. only Marcos who stopped them. In fact, why were they against him? Because that was one of the first protesters on the street ah. in 1950-something. You know, because he was anti, he was against the Americans uh, making shooting targets of the Aitas, which happened. Oh, which happened decades after. You know? So he and oh. three other friends, they made their placards and protested in front of the American embassy. The only ones, only two days later did the UP students and other schools join them. But then they were jailed. Two days after that, they were jailed. Wow. And they became a subject in the Senate and a headline. And they were released. Wow. But my father said they were also used by the politicians who released them. I mean, they, they uh, pontificated in the Senate, said, oh, why will you jail these promising men, these wow. hardworking intellectuals? You know, they're only talking the truth. I mean, Dad, we were very young. So we stopped talking to that mayor. So, uh, yeah, so that's how I felt. And if I could, I, I'd tell him and... Um, I found out later that he believes it was just the military and Marco's hands were tied or he didn't know anything about it. But he found out later on this is true. This was already in 1984, maybe. Oh, wow. That, that was near Edsa. Yeah. And we go to rallies together. My mom always finds the same group of people. And these people that we see are the ones that we see in all these martial law documentaries. It's the same people that are there. And I call them my mom's martial law barcada. So can we talk a little bit about your martial law barcada? You've had friends who have been captured and tortured and released and not. Um, what what was that like for you? And how did you make friends with them? Were they the same people that you had these conversations with from school? Well, I, I, I went to UP. So yeah. I met a lot of them there. Although much older, I met a lot of them there. Um, through maybe my professors. or maybe And uh, some of them were also writers. And these writers, I have to tell you that, um, yeah, your grandfather was... Uh, heading this think tank. But he promised any writer, if he helped 
be released or who are released and have no jobs can just come to him and he'll give them a job as long as they write. They write. So some of them I met through that. And when I became the editor of a magazine, two of them joined me. Like my father said, do you have views for? Yes, of course. And that's where I met Bonnie Ilagan. He's the key person that they've been talking to for the past years, every martial law anniversary. And I'd like to know, he, you'd like to know that he's doing a book now. Wow. Be on print because he's always on documentaries, but now he's writing. I think he's writing about um, movements that happened in martial law. And one of my theater groups is, is there. Oh, that's what I forgot to mention because I joined the theater group when I was a freshman college called Babaylan. And Babaylan was the, um, not really the arm, but an unofficial arm of the movement because they were not underground. They decided, no, we'll be above ground so that we can reach the people more. He said the, the street theater there was, they'd prefer something in the streets and then flash, they have to disappear or else they'll be. Right. Yeah. So that was the theater then. They called street theater. So Babaylan decided, no, we'll be above ground so we can be there. And that's how I met the other um, activists. And one of them is your Nino, Anton Juan. Yeah. Yeah. He was the head of Babaylan. Wow. Yeah. And, that's so amazing. And what we presented were um, turn of the century plays, about 19. Uh, 1897 to 1904, because the place then, coined seditious place by Amelia La Peña were always either anti-Spaniards or anti-American. Most of them were anti-American. So they were protest place, and, also, and although against a foreign intrusion, we, we used them as a metaphor for protesting the present regime. And the audience knew exactly what we were doing because we had to submit the script to the military before we could uh, perform anything. So we give them wow, that. Wow, that's strict. Yeah, we give them yeah. that. And uh, we, I'd like to say that Bobailan contributed to the golden age of art in Philippine history, especially in uh, theater, because we found a way. And then many other theater groups followed soon after yeah wow just thinking about that that you had to submit a script before anything reminds me of what happened last year actually things are really repeating because i remember during the pandemic when the anti-terror law came out people also had to submit their scripts before performing online Hi. i remember they asked spit uh -huh. for a script and we were like huh right. But, wow. right what script, what script? <laughs> We don't have that. Did anyone so have, that's crazy. Did anyone do that? Anyone no, we, we ended up, I mean, we told them it's improv. We can't submit a script to you. So, And I think the reason they did that, uh, um, the reason it became a big thing was because the film and theater people came together saying, right. this is right. insane. That's right. We don't need to do this. That's right. So, wow. Things are really yeah. repeating. Um, I'll add something. What? To yeah. the theater when Marshall was declared, Babaylan was already performing. But now that they needed to submit scripts, Babaylan was the first theater group to present. 
during Holy Week. So martial law was declared in September, so they were planning, planning. So Holy Week about March, they said, okay, we'll do the Cenaculo, the life of Christ. They gave the script to whoever the general, but they, they sent a woman. Hello, sir. <laughs> Did that work? It worked. This is the script namin. Ano yung script? Ito ho, Bible, taga, Biblia, Tagalog, at saka yung... That's it. And the Sinaculo booklet. That's it. Kasi doon naman talaga galing. So what Babylon did was in Luneta. Huh? So they used the words of the Bible in the Sinaculo. But the visuals were... They were against, but they were protest. But they were um, underlining was multinationalism, how it's taking over our lives, how it's taking over our economy. So the, the one example was the cross of Christ had all these commercials tied palmolive on the cross. Wow! <laughs> and then at one when in the when when Christ was walking when his um calvario, no, and then Veronica will wipe his face, right? Of his yeah. phrase, and then she'll hold it. Hi, I'm putting it, and it's tied. <laughs> oh, so right. we're laughing and laughing, but the military came, and the director was sitting there. And one of the soldiers behind him said, Asan kayo yung director dito? So he wasn't saying anything, and then he slinked off and hid backstage. But then, because the cenaculo was so Entertaining, the soldiers sat down and laughed to the audience. They forgot that they're wow. supposed to arrest the actors and all that. They laughed and then finally they said, Wala naman subversivo dito. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wait, so how did you... The, the audience was just able to get the subversive message or did you just assume? It, uh, well, because that seems very deep. Yeah, they laughed because uh, it's pop. So right. they get it right away that puro to mga commercial. But but they got it that Christ was on the cross with all these commercials. They immediately got it. Na it, it's not a religious message. This is something else. But right. for the soldiers, they said, hindi naman pala anti-martial law. Eh, yun ang kanila. Di ba? So uh-huh. they didn't arrest anyone. Although all the whole cast was so scared. But then yeah. they saw the the soldiers heckling and laughing with the audience. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> That's so nice. Yeah. But why were they sent there? Somewhat, may yes. nagsumbong? Yes. Or? May ah, nagsumbong. There were informers <gasps> all around. You wouldn't even know. Pati barkada mo, informer. I, I, I joined a, in an NGO, a quasi-NGO doing work in the provinces and like we were we were searching about recall the concept of recall you know recall is if you don't like the elected official you get uh, about signatories of i think about one third one third of population to recall that person recall that official nangyari yan kay ano eh share and bono Sonny Bono, he, oh. he was elected a mayor, or, but he was so bad at it, they recalled him. Yeah, he was just <laughs> taken out. So, and puede. Yeah, so that's the kind of things we did. And uh, we did research on what if we allowed the people to talk to all the officials through a computer. So we put computers in malls and people can just type their messages or leave messages or say, Congressman, bakit ito? It was successful, no? 
But um, one of our core group, one of the most intelligent, I found out later, he was an informer. Everything we did, he was informing Malacanang. Oh my God. And we were also shocked at how, how? Angaling! Really deep, angaling! <laughs> they were everywhere. So it was a bit That's scary. such a scary thought. Yeah, even for something as innocent and as uh, uh, helpful for society like that. They were informing Malacanang. Did you like know other informers person as friends? No. Or was it just, just that, that one? Like just what I made sure That's my so circle scary. was oh ito lang. <laughs> yeah. no, the same people you hang out yeah. with no, now no basically not unless you uh, no, unless you vouch for them. No. Yeah. What a time. What a time to be living. I can't yeah. even imagine Living in a time like that where you have to be scared of meeting people because of yes. martial And law. you try to have a normal life. Because, well, I have yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> but the after, na. That was, uh, no. Edsa na yon. Yeah. yeah, I had some sort of normal life. But it, it, it's difficult yeah. if, you're, if you're preoccupied with thoughts of how to, right? How to fight, right. how to save, how to... You, you you still have relationships, but that's always the back of your mind. In fact, yeah. I made a mistake, I slipped, but I'd always think of what is the politics of this person before I... Before you get yes. into it. And this all happened while you were a teenager, which I find insane. Um, you, you still had a normal life. Can you talk a little bit about your teenage life during martial law? What was that like? In general, oh, what was that like? That like high school, right? So high school, yeah, TV. high school. Uh, Did you have proms? Did you have all the oh, normal stuff? We bawal hat and Marsha was declared, oh. declared. We didn't have any orgs. It was only when I was a freshman they allowed a theater org, and they asked me. And then there was a glee club org. The glee club, I think, they allowed a year before the theater club because very harmless. But we had the political club, which also happened in my fourth year. So between my freshman, my fourth year, it was just school, school, school. And when I was in third year, they were already, uh, the seniors would go around their classes, already lecturing. They were lecturing. Yeah. And some of them were good lecturers. I mean, they go to the discussion group, then they bring in, they say, bakit ganyan? And one of them said, basta. And that's when I got angry. Yung parang ngayon, basta. Oh. Di ba nakakainis yung ganun? Uh-huh. You want to learn uh-huh. Explain naman. So, sabi, basta ganun. Ah, oh, naman. Especially when they're saying si Marcos ang nag, ano, nagpabomba ng Plaza Miranda, ganyan, ganyan. And I asked, paano ko? Bakit? Basta. Ginanun ako. So, uh-huh. the older, uh, the older activists, I complained to them. I said, you shouldn't have done that. You must have lost a lot of youth, uh, possible youth sympathizers, because you asked the youth also to lecture to them who didn't have enough foundation knowledge to answer. So you cannot turn them off. So I, uh, I know I didn't join another org. Although grade seven, I signed up with um, um, how do you call it? A protest group. They were protesting SDK. KM, I mean, if you research, they have all these acronyms, and I signed up with one of them. 
so that when martial was declared um a friend of my dad called up and he said ah silingasan tatay mo I said ah wala siya dad tito oh nandiyan ka nakulong ka daw tito i'm 12 years old <laughs> I'm 12 years old. So apparently the one that I signed didn't push through. Lahat kami na nag-sign, hindi na, hindi na punta sa org. So we were never listed. And so I didn't right. want to list anymore when I, when I saw it was happening. Wow. Yeah. That's so crazy. And martial law was yeah. half, would you say, not naman half of your life, but you grew up with, that was how many years? It's my formative years. Formative years. Uh, so that's all you remember. Up to 26. I, I was so old. I got old. <laughs> yeah. I got old, but it was good. I feel like your childhood, I mean, or at least your teenage years, mm-hmm. no wala. Because when I watch, for example, stupid teen movies yeah. and teen shows, oh. those were things that you couldn't have, right? Meron din naman. Meron, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't Uh, participate. Yeah, I didn't care. Yeah. I didn't immerse myself in that. I'd listen to my classmates and all that. Siyempre, may boys din, na ganyan, looking at you. Uh-huh. Pero, yung bang, teka muna. Yung, mine was like, I have to be more serious about these things. <laughs> right, right, right. And that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's talk a little bit, uh, let's move to to this because this is something that everybody finds very interesting but since I grew up knowing this for me it's not as big a deal but for everyone else it's such a big deal that you were one of the original voices of Voltes <laughs> Five when you were in college right, right. <laughs> yeah so that's it's very interesting so um, let's talk a little bit about that how did you get into that oh. during martial law so college years freshman I was in theater and so I I got a lot of theater friends and through your Ninong Anton a lot of older theater friends and one of them happened to be the producer or rather the recruiter for Voltus 5 and so he got from those people who knew who say he who could speak good English or at least can be uh, molded to speak good, good English. So he got us. And because yeah. we were underpaid, <laughs> they were very happy. It was okay. I was like, what? I was uh, 16, 17. Okay lang, di ba? Yeah. Getting paid 200 an episode. And then wow. they got um, they got me again for two more for Matanda Robot and Daimos. I like Daimos more than both these five actually. <laughs> like that was in Makanda. So I was earning 600 a week, which is hey. something. In fact, when when your grandfather said, ano makita mo dyan? Kunti lang dad, 200. Oh no, tatlo, 600, oo. Malaki sweldo mo sa akin. Hoy, that's not true. <laughs> so yeah, I enjoyed it, but it was very, very low tech. Like we're in a room and then, have you seen these uh, recording machines, yung mail? Yung malaki yung reels. Malaki. Two uh, well, reels like that. seen it in movies. Dalawang reels tapos may microphone. So, the room, kuno insulated, may mga phone, ganyan, para walang echo. That's it. And then go on a mic. And it's one mic, right? One you mic. told me it was one mic for all of you. For all of us. So, we only record 
one at a time. And then, mahusay naman yung audio editor, no? Kung paano pagsasamahin, paano i-edit. Minsan, sabay-sabay magsalita. So, and one time, may kanta pa ako, may magsasalita habang nakakanta ako. So, yes, to, yung timpla ba na, hindi nangingibabaw yung kanta. It was fun. It was fun. It paid for my Is there a reason why it was in, oh yeah, it paid for your college. Yeah. But was there a reason it was in English? Why was it in English? Why was it in English? I guess uh, on TV. Well, the, uh-uh. Weren't shows in Tagalog back then? But not animation. I mean, I yeah, not yet. Not yet animation. They did it in Tagalog after martial law. You know, okay. Makes sense. Yeah. I think they were also, the ones who bought the rights were also looking, not just Manila, siyempre, no? So even other parts of the Philippines, kailangan English. Tapos bakay market. We were the only country doing it, so they could oh. even market it to other Asian countries. Nagulat kami, Pilipinas lang, yeah, Pilipinas lang. Interesting. <laughs> and to think it wasn't and too big. Lo- it wasn't so big in Japan. It was so big here. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't that big in Manila. It was so big. That's why they, this woman made the protest. Because the merch coming in was fantastic. All the kids, Ine, gusto ko ng Walter Farmer. <laughs> My gosh, even your auntie knew the song and had her own Voltus Pipe figurine. Like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. And it was such a big thing here because I know that there are there's a certain generation of gentlemen yeah. that when they hear you are the voice it's it blows their minds like really what you were one of the voices i remember tito andrew one of my mom's friends just met her and then when she mentioned this he goes up to her with his cell phone asking her to do a voice yeah. please, for his friend please, who's please, on the other please. line no <laughs> little john little john i was little john imagine yeah <laughs> that's so crazy yeah. All right, I hate to cut that short, but we are making this a two-part episode just because there's so much information that we need to process about what's been happening and if there's any similarity to what's happening with us right now. So that was part one of Martial Law Mama. Isn't my mom so great? So thank you so much, listeners, for listening to this episode. There's more next week, of course. We're going to be continuing this episode. Part two comes out next Friday. And yeah, I'd like to remind everyone to please check out the description of this episode, to check out the affiliate links, and of course, the Dyson promo that SM is giving. So the link will be in the description as well. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Bye! The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. <laughs>